0: How's it going, everyone? Welcome to episode 70 of Fear Frequency. It's a weekly horror podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Champagne, and today I'm here with my best friend, George Frazard. What's up? Nothing, dude. I'm in my new studio, finally.
1: I've got it all set up, making big moves. Oh,
0: yeah. yeah, well, I already made the big move. That's why. That's why we skipped last week. <laughs> I was moving, but the new studio is all set up. If you've been watching my YouTube videos, people out there in the world, you've definitely seen it. Finally found a good camera angle, so everything's going good. Got all my internet set up and everything like that, and it should be a lot less loud. You shouldn't be able to hear cars or sirens or anything like that anymore on my end.
1: Big improvements.
0: Yeah. So this week on the episode, we're going to be talking about the Ranger in segment two, Uh, but before we get into the news, do we have any new emails or reviews?
1: Uh yeah we do we have two emails and this is my bad for missing these and just now seeing them as I chuck the emails this week. Um, but we have two. Yeah we have two emails. Uh one of them is from what? our friends uh, the Final Boys who said hey guys thought I would drop you a line and say y'all my faves. Uh I'm totally not upset that Jimmy C hasn't played Dead by Daylight. I'm not crying. I've been cutting onions. Uh I couldn't agree more with y'all about Pet Cemetery. Although we were hoping for a swerve from the trailer and that they would actually kill off Gage, the trailer showed the whole movie. Bummer. Also, I don't like Ellie's performance until she was dead. She killed it. Let's talk about it. P.S. Find a way to watch one of the Watch one cut of the dead if you haven't. The Boys Final.
0: The Boys Final. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good email. I like that. I'll play Dead by Daylight with you now that I know the Ash is in it and the ghost face from scream but not the exact ghost face from scream just ghost face is coming to the game and i saw that they're like totally reworking how the end of the game works for survivors so they're making moves over at dead by daylight i'll they give it a shot
1: gotta keep innovating can't get stale
0: yeah that's what they're doing that's why they're still the biggest and no matter how many asymmetrical horror games <laughs> released none of them can manage to take down dead by daylight
1: right <laughs> So, Uh, so, that's a really
0: nice email. Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah,
1: thanks. Uh, Our second email is from Bailey Hines. He says, hey, guys, this is my third time writing in, and I just want to let you guys know you're doing a great job. I've listened for a long time since July, and you you have a fan in me until you guys call it quits. Enjoy your new home, George. And P.S., it's not H20, Jimmy. Keep it up.
0: We can never read one of Bailey's messages (laughs) again. It's fucking H20, dude. It's Halloween, 20 years later. Why do I have to... To have this conversation all the time, <laughs> it pains me. I'm joking. I wish, I just wish so hard that Halloween would make a comeback, again. <laughs> Since redo H twenty,
1: do not a- even that. I
0: just want them to have more Halloween news to talk about. I'm fucking sick of Child's Play.
1: Yeah, un- unfortunately, hit a, a bit of a drought from the old uh, Doctor Loomis dying again. So it'd be nice to, to hear him his sweet siren cry. <laughs>
0: yeah i'm just i don't know i'm getting kind of sick of the news videos altogether, to be honest so i'm trying to think of some cool ideas for like longer form stuff more like my big long reviews and stuff like that so i'm working on some things right now but in the meantime i'll keep covering child's play and it and all that other stuff uh i I basically i'm working on stuff to supplement the news videos so they're not the only thing i'm working on because it's a lot (laughs) (laughs)
1: especially when multiple things come out in one day and it just becomes a massive uh yeah because
0: that's that's a great point because if something if two things come out one day right like there's it news and child's play news i don't want to do two videos in one day posted to my channel because then no one will get notifications for them for the second video i might record the same video twice in one day or record two videos in the same day is what i meant but I might not post them on the same day. But then, if I wait until the next morning, the hype has already died down a lot of the time. Right. So it's just it's hard. It's, it's a, hard to judge.
1: It's a catch-22 situation.
0: Yeah, and there's like bigger news channels out there whose fans are just terrible, and they trickle down, and it's just <laughs> not it's not fun. I did a ton of videos this week. I did a <laughs> child's play one. I did an It breakdown. I did a like It news update. I did a 3 from Hell update after last week's news on that, so if you guys haven't checked out my YouTube channel lately, there's some great stuff on there. But thank you guys so much for those emails. What have you been playing this week, George?
1: Uh, I actually picked up a little bit of Wargroove. I played through the first like two acts of that game. Um, that's the, the newest thing that I've been playing. Uh, I saw it was free on... Xbox Game Pass, so I decided to give it a try. I was going to pick it up when it came out on Switch, but I just kind of missed it, and so I figured now would be a good time to start it.
0: Is playing it on Xbox making you want to play it on handheld, or is it enough on a TV? I
1: I could definitely see the benefit of playing it on a handheld, because it's like a grid-based strategy game, so those fit really well on the Switch. Like It just feels right on that console. It doesn't feel wrong on the Xbox, but it definitely feels like not quite big enough for the console that you're playing it on which is kind of a weird like observation while you're (laughs) playing it but um the the gameplay is solid I mean it's a fun game and um if you have the game pass I I don't and you like those kinds of strategy games I don't know why you wouldn't at least check it out especially since uh their big draw is that they have a lot of uh like curated content by people who play the game where there's like a really in-depth uh creator tool and people have made like the entire uh advanced wars games levels and stuff so if you're a fan of like any of these top-down strategy grid-based games i think this is probably one to check out just for the like player-based content at least
0: so that game is basically just like someone i think chucklefish published it but the developer was like well nintendo's not making advanced wars so we're gonna do it right
1: yeah um from what I played, there's, like, uh, three three classes of characters, basically, that are, like, main characters you pick up. Uh, one of them is a dog, one of them is a mage, and one of them is kind of, like, a warrior. And so, usually, whenever you start a level, you'll get one of those three as, like, your main character. And you have a couple okay. supplementary characters on the side. Um, you can capture bases, which give you money per turn that you can use to buy more troops. And if enemies capture bases, you can destroy those bases and take them over so they have less resources and you get more resources. Um, so that,
0: sound, that sounds a lot like uh, Advanced Force. Yeah,
1: yeah, they definitely took that formula and just kind of tried to modernize it as best they could. And uh, for, from what I played, that did a good job. It's definitely really a, a tight gameplay loop.
0: Okay, so basically there's like a really good, as you were saying, level editor in there. And I heard people were recreating the entirety of uh advanced wars in that is that true
1: (laughs) yeah um the curated content is pretty huge like the editor is massive so um from what i haven't checked out a lot of the like player made content because i was just playing the main campaign first but um from what i checked out the the slim pickings that i saw there's definitely a lot of probably really good insanely hard levels to choose from if you're so inclined
0: okay so that's pretty cool are you gonna keep playing it? Like are you gonna beat it?
1: Yeah, I mean I I played through the first two acts in one night. I'm not sure how many there are. Uh I think I made it through, like roughly like a quarter of the map. So there might be four acts, there might be like I think I read somewhere there's like five or six, so I I, I keep checking it out, see see what new gameplay elements they add.
0: Cool. How much so it's on Game Pass, but isn't it it's like 20 bucks, right? Yeah, it's and,
1: something like that if you just want to buy it on Switch or on Xbox or PS4.
0: Cool. So that sounds like a lot of fun. I might check that game out. I've been playing Spider-Man's DLC and um, Days Gone. I've been playing a lot of both. So I wanted to get through Spider-Man's DLC because it was all out. And I guess it makes up one full story. And it's, it's pretty good. I'd say it's like good. Very 7 out of 10 middle of the road. Nothing too crazy. Like I'm there for the story and the gameplay is just kind of still Spider-Man. You know, it's not like anything ridiculously new and i just kind of wish that they added in more new skills or like moves to get other than new suits that don't add any suit powers you know yeah it feels like feels like you get a little jip there but the story that they're adding is pretty cool
1: yeah i played um the first two dlcs i didn't go back into the third one um l- like you're saying they yeah don't, that's what i did they don't add a lot of new content it's mostly you know there's a few story missions Um, I thought the bases were like a little bit harder. they require required to use more of your skills than the main game where you could basically just web blossom everybody and take out a whole base. Uh, so there's, there's a little bit of that, like a little bit higher challenge for the bases, but that's really like, it feels kind of cheap in a sense, because that's kind of like, they make those harder. So you spend more time on the DLC, but if they weren't harder, each pack would be like a couple hours as opposed to like three or like four or five
0: right and all the side missions and stuff they're just they try and do some cool variations with the spider bot and the screwball challenges and everything but it's all just it just feels like they're going through their motions at that point like i know that they're working on a trilogy with these games and they're gonna have to switch some things up for the sequel if the, if uh this is what the dlc is like it's just it's not enough it's for 25 bucks it's fine but for the quality of the main game it's Not exactly living up to that for me, Yeah, but I think it's worth playing through.
1: Yeah, I I mean, it's just more, uh, like you were saying, it's more of the Spider-Man game, so if you enjoy that main content, I think you would get a kick out of it, but I don't think it's... The story isn't super compelling, it won't keep you going or anything, but if you're just kind of looking to do more, have more content to play in that game, I think that kind of scratches that itch.
0: Right, like Black Cat is cool, but Hammerhead... (laughs) whatever you know it's it's cool to see these spider-man villains that aren't used normally in the movies but i don't know he's still just hammerhead it's just like a mob boss with a hard head so that's (laughs) fine but i've been playing a lot of days gone and that game that game is getting not even close to a fair shake by like critics i don't understand what's going on there it just feels like right out of the gate, everyone went in ready to not like it, and they're trying to find things that affirm that opinion, because I am having an awesome time with it. Um, it's had a lot of patches since it came out, which is pretty annoying to have to download a patch every time I started up, but they are fixing all the little technical issues, which were the biggest problem I had when I first got it, but now it's very solid. It's very clean. I love Sam Witwer. He's great in it. Uh, I've started buying some skills and stuff for shooting. So my shooting has improved a lot because right out of the gate, it's like a very loose version of the last of us shooting. So it's not great, but once you get some skill upgrades, it evens out and, uh, riding the bike around is just really cool.
1: Yeah. The bike seems like a pretty cool, uh, like different type of mobility. I mean, we got the horse and red dead that kind of. You know, it had its own, like, personality to it. You had to feed it, and you could bond with it, and that would give you upgrades. And and this is kind of a similar system, but with a motorcycle. Um, And I know that that's kind of, like, a theme of the game. I've seen a few of the side characters also have motorcycles and kind of ride them around. So are there other, like, biker gangs? And uh, is that kind of, like, ingrained in the story of the game? Or is that just kind of asinine because you used to be a biker, so you're still using a bike?
0: So the story really follows this guy named Deacon and his friend Boozer. They're both from the same motorcycle club and they still wear their colors, which means they like still ride as a gang. But there's other gangs in the game. There's one called the Rippers and they're basically, they worship the Freakers. So they make, they disguise themselves to look like Freakers. It's, they're like basically a cult, but they're also used to be a, a rival gang of the I forget what the actual motorcycle club is called in Days Gone, but they used to be a rival gang of that. So they're kind of like a main antagonist. So you're never going to be fighting anyone in a car, basically. Everyone's on foot or on a motorcycle. Yeah.
1: uh, (laughs) I've seen people complain that there are cars in the world. Like, there are broken down, not motorcycles, but nobody has ever seen in something that's not a motorcycle for transportation purposes.
0: I get that. I get that criticism because it is kind of dumb on the surface, but it's Oregon. So like it's all forest. The roads are crumbling. The roads are also packed with cars and hordes of zombies. So the real appeal of having the motorcycle is that you can get in and get out quick. And it's, it's small, you know, it's like a smaller vehicle. So you can kind of weave in and out of like pylons in the middle of the road or like barrels that are turned over or cars that are rolled. It's, it's more, it's all about being nimble. I guess the other weird thing is that the motorcycle is loud, so it kind of attracts the freakers, but you're so fast on the motorcycle that you can kind of outrun them. I haven't really encountered any of the hordes either, which is the one thing I'm like really excited about, mm-hmm. but I do like the system they have for the in-game economy, where there's multiple camps that you're doing missions for at any given time, and... As you do missions for them, or you deliver every time you kill a freaker, you can pick up its ear, and that's like a currency basically. So, you go to these camps and you can turn in freaker ears at any camp you want, and you'll get credits for that camp. And each camp has its own individual level, but one of them specializes in fixing your motorcycle. So, I've been leveling that one up so I can get the motorcycle upgrades. But then the second one you unlock has a really good weapon store. So, as you level that one up, you get access to better guns and more ammo and more attachments and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's cool playing around with that economy, and you can meet people out in the wild. It's a lot like Red Dead. So you can meet people who are stranded, and once you save them, you can tell them what camp to go to, and you'll get a ton of XP for whatever camp that is. So they make you kind of play around with stuff like that. and when it's kind of the main balancing. It's fucking crazy.
1: It's like a well, balancing act of, like, what, what do you find more appealing at this point in time? Would you rather have yeah. the motorcycle parts or the weapons and... Or whatever the other factions will do if there's, like, higher ones up down the line.
0: Yeah, and the the motorcycle gang aspect is cool, but the main character is crazy. He's a nut. He's <laughs> out there in the woods all alone. He's constantly talking to himself. It's like whenever you're fighting, like, a gang that has guns, he'll be saying shit. He's like, it's like how do you feel when, you, when, when we shoot back, huh? He's like, how do you like when I shoot back? <laughs> He's like, I'm going to fucking kill. It's like... The Freakers, they introduce this cool stuff where the Freakers eat plants, too. Mm-hmm. So you know how the zombies in 28 Days Later, they die. They're just waiting for them to starve. That's like the whole point of 28 right. Days Later. They will never starve in this universe because they can eat plants. They don't need meat. And they build their nests out of, like, shit. <laughs> they make shit nests. So you have to clear out these nests. And he'll just be like, oh, I can fucking smell it. I can fucking smell it. It's disgusting. It's <laughs> disgusting. He's talking to himself. <laughs> I've never experienced a game protagonist doing stuff like that. It's really cool. He's like losing it. Yeah.
1: So, uh, I've definitely seen the, the reviewers were a bit tough on it. Um, I think the most positive person I saw on it was uh, Colin Moriarty's review. Um,
0: yeah. But it seems Him like Dual Shockers. It has a good Metacritic score. It's at like a 75. So it's low for a Sony game, but it's still getting good scores. Did you hear? So the big problem with it is that they sent it out way too early. So it yeah, got I heard like that it took like multiple
1: patches. like technical patches before it was even released to the public. Like yeah. there was like four or five like game breaking patches before the game was released.
0: Yeah. So that's more on Sony's part than Ben's. But it looks, dude. It's uh, it was the top selling game in UK the week it came out. It's the best-selling PS4 exclusive in Japan at this point, apparently, at least in the last few years, and North American numbers haven't been released yet, but it looks like the reviews haven't heard it, and I think you're just going to start seeing more and more of that, because a lot of these games, they get updates, they get patches, and the reviews become irrelevant at one point, you know, like with Fallout 76, right, they we're just... argue that you can't read reviews of that game and judge it fairly on them anymore, so... If it's you're kind interested of a, in it, just play it.
1: Right. It's something where if you, you are interested in the game, it seems like something you'd be into. You should probably just pick it up regardless of the score just because they don't come around that often, and this seems like once you kind of get into it, it actually does have some rewarding elements to it.
0: Yeah, so I traded in a bunch of old games that I was going to get rid of because I was moving, so I didn't actually end up having to pay for it, which is nice, and I'm having a really good time with it. There is a weird problem I'm having, though, where, like, my PS4 Pro's disc drive is fucked up, which sucks because I barely use this thing. Like, I only use it for PS4 exclusives, right? Mm-hmm. So, basically, when I when I the, the, I can get it to work. It's a weird fix. Every like every PS4 Pro will encounter this at some point, which is great. It basically is the equivalent of the red rings with the disc drive. So, the way to fix it. Is if you put your disc in and the thing starts clicking and says unread disc, you take the disc out and then when you put it in, you tap the top of the PS4 like five times where the disc drive is, and that makes it read the disc. It's totally insane.
1: It's a very strange workaround, but I mean, yeah, but like the the generation is almost over, right?
0: So like, I don't know, but it it sucks because it ruined rest mode. Because if I take the PS4 out of rest mode, it, it can't read the disc. Because I have to take the disc out and put it back in and tap the thing. So it's like stupid. I wish I knew that that was going to happen before I bought, like traded it and got the disc. Right. So when I downloaded it. So that's the problem I'm running into. But <laughs> now we're going to get into the news. And the first big story we have to talk about this week is that the It Chapter 2 trailer dropped yesterday. And. It's exactly what people saw at CinemaCon, which is pretty surprising because that was like a full scene with a super cut at the end of it instead of an actual trailer. And that trailer was really good.
1: Yeah. Um, I think we were talking about it a little bit last episode, but it's that scene um, when Beverly goes back to Derry as an adult and goes into her old, her dad's old apartment and s- talks to the old witch lady. Um, that's kind of what we had heard it was going to be. And that's exactly what it is when that, when it dropped on Thursday.
0: Yeah, yesterday, right? Yeah, I think it Thursday. dropped on Thursday. Yeah, the days are all blurred. <laughs> yeah, I woke up bright and early, did a trailer breakdown, but that scene when Bev goes back to her dad's place—something that someone pointed out to me in the comments was that her arms are all bruised up because she's in an abusive relationship, and it was kind of hard to notice because of the yellow color grading. But then I went back and watched it. I was like, "Holy shit, that's there!" Uh, it was—it's <laughs> funny how much like humor there was in this scene. With the old lady. <laughs> Yeah, in the background peeking out and stuff, and do that like <laughs> pulling the rope and everything.
1: Right, she has like these really weird movements in the background, and it's like just kind of unsettling the way that she moves around and the kind of like creepy. I mean, people made memes about it that were supposed to be I humorous, but uh, I mean, it, it also is like pretty creepy too, and, and and effective. I thought it was a pretty great trailer.
0: So they also included a ton of different scenes from straight out of the book. Like the Chinese restaurant scene is the, in the, in the, you know, in the miniseries when they go to the Chinese restaurant and then they open up all the fortune cookies and they have like eyes in them and fetuses and stuff. Mm-hmm. So is that exactly how it plays out in the book?
1: It's pretty similar. Yeah. I mean, that's so like they have that. That's a scene right, right from the book. Pretty much.
0: They had a, really quick flash of the Adrian Mellon scene because everyone was like, please include that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's one that's going to be hard for them to do because if they didn't include it, uh, they're purposely excluding a scene that features um, a, like a LGBT character, which right. would not go over well. But the whole point of the scene is that a bunch of bullies throw this gay guy off a bridge and then Pennywise bites his ribcage and kills him. So it's like a damned if you do damned if you don't situation. I'm hoping that they twist it a little bit, have everyone die, just so they don't catch a ton of flack and the conversation doesn't move away from the actual movie, you know? Uh,
1: yeah. I, I mean, I th- that's like the opening scene of the book, pretty much. Um, so
0: it'll be the opening scene of the movie, right? Cause it's, right. chronologically, it's right before the adults all meet up in Derry. It's like the event that spurs them coming back, right?
1: Right. It's like they see this thing happened and they realize that it's been so long and they all need to go back because they didn't finish it the first time when they were kids so they were like it's time to come back as adults and we got to actually end this evil that's in Terry."
0: okay that's cool do you think they're going to destroy the entire city at the end of the movie like they did yeah. in the book
1: you know that would be a really interesting scene that would take like a lot of special effects and huge amount of planning where they have this like huge earthquake and slurry and everything just basically washes out of the city and is decimated just because it's like, it's been built on evil for so long that once the evil's gone, the whole city basically crumbles. Um, And I think that's like kind of a cool scene. And so I'd like to see them do that, but I just don't know feasibly uh, if it's, (laughs) if it would be possible to.
0: Yeah, it was cool to see all of the Adult Losers Club people, too. You get a brief glimpse of everyone. There's a quick clip of uh, James McAvoy talking as Bill.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I listened to it like five times. It sounds like he's just doing the same voice that he does in Split. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> it's like a... I mean, that would like, be a oh, pretty okay. nice
1: twist if he's just playing the character from Split and Bill Denbrough is one of his personalities
0: yeah so i don't know all in all i think that was a pretty effective trailer because it just gave us glimpses of scenes we're gonna see another one i liked is the paul bunyan scene yeah i know that that damn statue is supposed to come to life and i don't know i'm not stoked about that because <laughs> yeah i think it's, it's um any and his cgi that he tends to go with straight up looks bad like <laughs> mama so i don't want to see a cgi fest of that thing moving around screaming at richie you know yeah
1: yeah, um, that could be one of the, like, not-so-great scenes. It's something that, like, visualizing in your head when you're reading the book, it's much different than actually putting it to screen because it's one of those things where, like, the scale of it and actually making it look good is so difficult that it might be something that's just easier to omit or replace with something that's easier to adapt to film.
0: Right, so they could have him just, you know, fucking mock Ritchie from on top of that statue. Because you see him ride his inverted balloon pyramid up there.
1: Right. So we know so, we're getting a scene know. of him, something around that statue in the movie. Most likely right. the scene of him moving around and, and chasing down Richie, but we'll see.
0: I also like that they're doing flashbacks in this movie. I thought it was smart that they split it up between kid story, adult story, but those kids were so good that, like, it's nice that we're going to get to see them.
1: Right, and... I mean, I think that, like, that movie did so well, the chapter one, that there's no way they could ignore uh, bringing those characters back and kind of doing more exposition, more um, more scenes that kind of connect it and show parallels to them as adults. So I think that's really smart. I think all the kids did a great job in the first half, so I'm excited to see them come back in this one.
0: And they're just releasing it at a great time. It's It's right around the time the movie takes place in that, like, hot, you know, northeast New England summer. And that's when the movie's coming out. So I'm I'm really excited for it. I have no doubt that it'll be good. It just seems like great from the trailer.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, really, really excited for it. Uh, I was excited about it, you know, before seeing the trailer, but that really kind of cemented my, my hype for it. So I think this is probably one of my, you know, higher anticipated movies of the year.
0: It's if you so, like, if you don't count Godzilla, right, right, it's definitely my most anticipated after that. And then I guess like Annabelle and The Boy Two, like yeah, I don't know. <laughs> The Boy Two, Hell House LLC Three or Hell House LLC Three. Yeah. That's a, that's the a most anticipated for sure.
1: Hell House LLC Three is like can't not be number one.
0: I'm trying to start that that movement, <laughs> but. I don't know if it'll catch on. So, speaking of It Chapter 2, Gary Doberman, the writer who we've talked about a lot on this podcast because he writes so many fucking movies, he talked to the Hollywood Reporter and he says that It is definitely bloodier than the first. He said, it's definitely bloodier than the first and it's just as scary, if not scarier. He said, the two movies feel like a complete whole. This feels like a natural progression and extension of the first. Is he, like, reading off of the back of the DVD, (laughs) Like come on so he went on though and said uh it's an iconic he was talking about the adrian mellon scene and he said it's an iconic scene in the book and one we wanted to include in the movie it's the first it is the first attack in present day dairy and sets the stage for what dairy has become it is the influence of pennywise even while he is hibernating and it is pure evil what happens to adrian these bullies are working through pennywise was important for us to show so that's good we got the confirmation that scene's coming through Nothing too crazy out of that interview. It's good that to know that there's going to be some gore. That is a problem I had with the original. It where there were no stakes because it was like they killed Georgie at the beginning and then rode that wave all the way to the end. You know, right. like they, never they bring like him back a few
1: times, do. but it's not really you know. No other kid really gets mortally wounded or is ever really feels like he's in danger because you know they're coming back in the next movie to confront it again as adults.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, how do you feel? This is like, you're the it guy, the I, it man.
1: I mean, it's a it's a, a weird chord that they keep striking where, like, they had Jessica Chastain go on, I think it was Jimmy Fallon, and say, oh, yeah, this is the bloodiest movie I've ever seen in my whole life. There's blood everywhere. And then Gary Dobrin comes out and he's like, oh, yeah, this is the bloodiest thing ever. So I feel like they just have a scene that's like a room. Florida ceiling blood, just so they can say it's the bloodiest movie ever. <laughs> like they keep harping yeah. on that this is like the bloodiest thing you've ever seen in your whole life. So I think they have like one scene that's completely <laughs> blood soaked, and that's what they're really gonna ride on.
0: Yep. T- totally. <laughs> it did look pretty bloody in the trailer though. It looked like they just filled a room with blood and let her swim around in it. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> I am excited
1: fun. for it. it. It looks good though. I'm um, I'm definitely hyped.
0: Yeah, so right in the Stephen King train, even farther down the rails, Pet Cemetery sequel is happening probably, and it'll dig into the town's mythology and maybe even the Wendigo. So people were like, you know, since this movie got just okay reviews, mm-hmm. everyone was like, oh, there's no way they'll get a sequel. Oh, uh, but it had a twenty million dollar budget and it made around a hundred million worldwide. So it made a lot of money. It made yeah, like it's t- tens of millions of dollars. Right, so it's you can bet your ass a commercial success a
1: at this point, and as a Stephen King properties so anytime they can kind of uh keep you know drawing the ink out of that well the big movie studios are going to do that
0: yeah totally um so this sequel though it's going to dig into you know the the prequel aspect of it that we haven't really seen before which makes me even more excited for it because it's not a remake at that point it's just like a like a totally new movie that features a really cool monster and mythology
1: yeah i mean I think those are kind of the really interesting aspects of the movie that we didn't get a lot of time to kind of percolate on. I feel like it was very much focused on the family, what they're doing, how the, you know, the pet cemetery is affecting them, how the evil kind of affects their family if you use it. But I think it would be interesting to see kind of the backstory of the Wendigo, you know, see some of these really kind of creepy kid rituals in the masks, see how the cemetery was built. You know, what is the like evil old old magic that made this happen i think that could be really dark in a cool movie
0: yeah so we actually have an article that we're talking about here and it's an interview with jeff bueller who's the writer he sat down with comic book and this is like it's a long quote, guys, so you're going to have to deal with it because I can't read. So he said, we had discussions about possible follow-up films, and for the most part, everybody feels like we've told the story of the Creeds. It's difficult. There are ways to continue the story, this story in particular, but it feels almost the trajectory of this film. Fill- the pr- This is why I can't read it because write so <laughs> stupid. This particular story, but it feels almost the trajectory of this film feels like we flew the plane into the mountain a little bit. It just blows up. That's exactly what they did at the end of the movie, <laughs> by the way. They're just like, this is how it ends. Hell yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to spoil it, but like, <laughs> that's he's aware. He's self-aware of what he did. So he said, right. so a lot of the ideas we've been batting around currently, recently, have been all about, more about digging into the mythology <laughs> of the town, these rituals that children present, the mythology of the Micmac, the Wendigo, the cemetery, the origins of Judd's life. He said, so it looks like I don't want to promise anything because we don't know. We're not even down the road on an idea yet. What is this stream of consciousness? <laughs> My god. But yeah, it sounds like he understands what was right and wrong with his movie and that going backwards is the right way to go forwards from here. You know? Like doing a right. sequel is dumb. We I mean, that's right. left up to the imagination. We know what happens.
1: We've seen kind of how that ends and I think to go back to that family would just cheapen the ending of the new movie. Yes. Um it's definitely better to be left the way it is. Um So I think kind of just exploring the mythology of that world is better than digging up what happened at the end of that movie and ruining it by touching it anymore.
0: How's your cat, Louis? That was my favorite favorite part, when he's like taking that drag out of that hand-rolled. How's your cat, Louis? Constantly has a hand-rolled cigarette in
1: every single scene.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's... They know, they know how to make Judd cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, Judd, Judd's so a very cool. likable character. And I I think focusing on the mythology or having, like, young Judd see how it was all formed or kind of through his eyes, I think, would be a, a cool way to tell the story because he was a very likable character.
0: Yeah, I want to see young Judd. I want them to, like, uh, what's his name? Samuel Jackson from Captain Marvel. <laughs> John Lithgow. Let's like see like young him of, young, dude. <laughs> yeah.
1: Do you like the Robert Downey Jr. in Civil War? Just make him like a teenager? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. I want to see it. So <laughs> I'm excited. This is a good idea for a prequel. I hope that our boys, Kolsch and Widmeyer, stick around to direct because those dudes, they're going places, man. They're going to be a hot commodity in Hollywood now that they've directed a financially successful with pretty good reviews remake of Pet Cemetery.
1: Yeah. Big Stephen King adaptation made money.
0: Speaking of money, I'm going to spend a lot of it in this next story. <laughs> the official Twitter account for Lego has confirmed that we're getting some Stranger Things Lego sets. They only really confirmed one because it leaked, but it's the um, buyer's house with basically every character and it has a really cool upside-down version on it. And I really hope that they just do a bunch of sets on the one hand, but then on the other hand, I'm like, you could just do like three because I'm going to buy them all no matter how good <laughs> they are.
1: Yeah, the, the weird thing about this was... Um, when we were kind of talking about this earlier i I was i like the idea of having the stranger things lego sets i think it's like a cool avenue for them to make and i think the minifigures will be fun and all that but i I think it's just kind of a like how many places could you possibly make set wise i feel like it's limited in terms of locations you could recreate in lego
0: well george that's not our, fu- our fucking job. I guess that's not I our, guess, job. I not our, that's not
1: our job. I mean, there's they like... They
0: can watch the show. They can figure it out. They can do the big government building.
1: They could do the Hawkins Arcade. They could do the... Yeah,
0: the Palace Arcade. Yeah. Good idea, George. <laughs> Call up Lego.
1: <laughs> I can't just give them these ideas for free, Jimmy.
0: I mean, they'd pay you. Actually, they probably wouldn't. The guy who runs Lego right now is like... He like saved them from bankruptcy by being cheap as fuck like this dude's the <laughs> biggest penny pincher on planet earth he came he like thought he was gonna get fired because he came into the boardroom one day i was just like yo this company's gonna fucking go out of business if you don't fix it and he like presented this graph and was like here's how you fix it they are like okay they were like, and they well, promoted and they promoted him to ceo
1: i guess you run it now since you know everything.
0: yeah <laughs> that's what they did it was like a family run business and then the like family boss was like well this guy knows what he's doing. And they just <laughs> gave him his job.
1: I mean, you kind of got to respect that.
0: <laughs> it's a massive generalization, but it's pretty much what happened. So, this Lego set they teased is the Buyer's House. It comes with Eleven with her dumb wig. You've got Dustin. You've got Will. You've got Finn Wolfhard's character, who I forgot. Uh, you got Lucas. That's his name, right? The Black Kid. What's his name?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lucas.
0: Haha, <laughs> I remember. You got Sheriff Hopper. You got Winona Ryder, Joyce Byers and and you get sheriff hopper's police ford bronco which honestly kind of like the reason to buy it it's not <laughs> every day you get a really cool actual lego car like that so
1: right a, a lego car that's its own little piece instead of being like part of the set or something
0: yeah also you get a organ. so all in all that set's pretty good but i hope they uh they do more than that
1: yeah because you uh, gonna buy it It's weird. I don't see any Steve minifigure in that, so it's going to be a no for me, dog.
0: Maybe they'll do, like, a Starcourt mall from Season 3. That I'm into. That's what's kind of pissing me off about the Stranger Things, like, merch. They only do shit from Season 1.
1: Yeah, I don't know if it's one of those (laughs) weird licensing things with, like, Hellraiser 3... Where every if you ever see any Hellraiser merch, it's always Hellraiser 3. Or like any Halloween merch from any like not reputable source, it's always uh Resurrection. And I don't know if yeah. it's just like that's like cheaper to license the earlier or the obscure entries in the series. But I feel like that has something to do with it.
0: I'm gonna like figure out what the way to rent the license for Hellraiser 3 is. <laughs> and if it's less than a hundred dollars. I'll buy it and rename our podcast to Hellraiser 3 Hell on Earth.
1: <laughs> the official Hellraiser 3 Hell on Earth podcast. <laughs> trademark. Yeah. Th-
0: that movie is weird, but I don't mind it. <laughs> Have
1: you ever seen it? Yeah, I mean, it's a, I, mean, I think all the Hellraisers are pretty strange in their own right, and that's kind of what they're going for. Um, it's got
0: CD head.
1: It's got CD head. And so you got to respect it, because they're very... <laughs> you know very uh imaginative with who they put in the movie their their creature design is almost unparalleled
0: speaking of train wrecks mark hamill's voice was heard in the new child's play promo on twitter he's laughs like chucky but it's it's the joker laugh
1: yep uh it's just the joker from batman the animated series All
0: right, moving on. (laughs) Blumhouse and Oxygen, they're exploring Florida's craziest killers and true crime series Florida Man. How is this not a thing that's happened already?
1: You would have thought this would be like a Lifetime TV show five years ago. Yes, yes, Um, that is exactly right. You're (laughs) correct, sir. But uh, Oxygen and Blumhouse have teamed up, and they're giving us these insane Florida true crime stories, which I'm going to be completely there for. As long as I can get this on some kind of streaming service cuz I'm not going to subscribe to Oxygen. For Oxygen. <laughs> I don't know what ox- I f- I thought it was like Oprah's network at first but I think that's O. Maybe that is Oxygen. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I O. Ox- I don't know what Oxygen is. And I'm not going to pay. They have some
0: other show on Oxygen. Blumhouse does. It's another true crime show it's strange i don't know what this channel is why don't you just put it on travel channel like everyone else blumhouse are you too good for that are you too good for 2007 era sci-fi
1: you think you're better than that's zach all baggins travel
0: channel is yeah you think you're better than josh <laughs> gates and taps
1: and taps? i don't think so ridiculous but i think this the show this, will this be pretty is... hilarious and i'm gonna catch clips of it on youtube or i'm gonna watch it on hulu when it comes to that
0: yeah i like how their announcement is bragging this is how their announcement starts this year, we've increased our original hours by more than thirty percent. Okay, <laughs> in Florida, man, Blumhouse TV and Man vs. Robot will examine the most outrageous, notorious, and craftiest killers from the Sunshine State. You know what's crazy? This is the funny thing. So you know how it seems like Florida is this hellscape where all the crime happens in America?
1: Right. It's like the reason you
0: hear. Yeah, it's like, it's it's the heat, it's the old people, it's the the white trash, it all just comes together. But right. the reason you hear about all this stuff more than anywhere else is because they have this thing called the Sunshine Law, which makes it like really easy to publicly look up any crime that happens in Florida, and really no other state has that. So, while, yes, there is more crime in Florida than most other states in the United States, it's just easier to look up these stories and publicly report on them. So it seems like it's crazier than it is.
1: And I think they have something um, related to that law where they release, like, more details of the crime immediately, where you don't have to, like, wait till certain trials or anything. Like, they just give you a ton of details about whatever is ongoing just because that's, you know, some kind of uh, transparency act that they're trying to put into it. But um you you do get all the details and there are some really crazy stories that come out of florida so i could definitely see this show having some absolutely off the wall episodes
0: i got a crazy story from florida you want to hear it bring it on so my family has a condo in florida as george knows but the listeners don't so we used to go down there like every year for like christmas break or spring break or whatever any breaks and you can catch these little lizards that are just normal little lizards The kind you probably see out here in California all the time. They just run around really fast. They're pretty easy to catch if you have a net. So my brother, who is like a marsupial, he definitely (laughs) has some sort of animal DNA in him. He could like catch these little lizards. So we caught a really cute one and I was like, this this is going to be my pet. So I had my dad take me to the pet store and I got a little pet carrier and we had driven to Florida that year and I took him all the way up to Michigan and he was my pet for like a whole year
1: really he survived in the Michigan climate
0: yep i had a big tank for him and i I had this like skull that he slept in and i had a heat lamp for him and he lived on some wood chips and i used to go and get him crickets and he would eat them so you had your own little ernie
1: from uh the last drive-in
0: yeah pretty much he was way smaller (laughs) it's like a tiny lizard i brought him to the pet store and i was like how old is this thing and they're like that thing is pretty old you can tell by how many like rings are on its tail uh-huh. you know their tails come off and they grow back right they're like he's had a pretty like traumatic life but i got a i got a solid year out of him and well, then my mom forgot to spray him with water and he fried in the sun
1: oh my god what a tragic story yeah <laughs> i
0: was like come on <laughs> come on keep yeah, the poor guy alive
1: he had a traumatic life <laughs>
0: Two weeks later, I caught a toad, and I just put it in the same tank. You're like, well,
1: I got an open vacancy if you want to live in here.
0: Yeah, and then my old dog, Hunter, like, jumped up into the tank and, like, pulled him out. (laughs) But she didn't, like, chew him. She, like, kind of tried to swallow him. And then he was, like, beating the shit out of her from the inside, so she (laughs) threw him up. She threw up my toad his name was spider-man jr she threw up spider-man jr (laughs) and he was alive so then i just like he was traumatized he didn't really like move around for like a day but then i put him back in the tank and he was fine he lived for like (laughs) four or five years
1: oh pour one out for spider-man jr everybody
0: and i only had dogs from that point forward
1: probably a good call
0: yeah it's my mom. It's not me. She let Hunter get in that <laughs> fucking cage. She fried Spider-Man One. That's
1: what I got. <laughs> Spider-Man One, told uh, total Spider-Man Junior.
0: Yeah, that's my childhood. The whole whole childhood of Jimmy summed up. So, George, speaking of children, uh, we got to talk about this Brightburn trailer. We do. We we were skeptical about this movie because they were like, it's from James Gunn. only producing it his (laughs) brothers wrote it and they've been releasing some scenes they just put one out where we find out this is obviously where he gets his his anti-hero or no he's just a bad guy his bad guy named brightburn he goes to the brightburn diner and he uses his superman powers to blow out a fluorescent (laughs) light tube and a shard of glass goes into this lady's eye yeah, and, they, and she uh, pulls it out. Did you watch this scene? Yeah, they,
1: they sure don't cut away. I mean, it's very much... You see the things explode. You see this giant chunk of glass in her eye. And then her very slowly pull it out. And then you see, like, from her point of view, the bloody eye as she looks around the <laughs> diner. I mean, it's a it's way more effective than I thought this movie was going to be. Like, I went from about a 3 on expecting this movie to be good to, like, a 7.
0: Yeah, that's where I'm at. I want to see it. Yeah, definitely. That's Elizabeth Banks. I don't know why there's no hype for it. Because all of the trailers are pretty good. I was only skeptical because of who's working on it. But the like, normal person's going to see James Gunn and be like, I got to see this.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was just kind of skeptical because the only <laughs> thing they were toting as like a real badge of honor was the fact that James Gunn was attached to it. And he really isn't involved in any of the creative process at all. So I was like, if that's the best you got, then oh boy but uh trailers look good i mean this was like a really uh solid introduction to the character and kind of what we're gonna see from the movie that it's not it's not your daddy superman it's brutal and we're gonna see some some real uh, <laughs> some real messed up scenes
0: yeah um when she pulls the glass out of her eye and then it cuts to a wide and then there's just like with the with the blood on the floor i was yeah. like that's cool <laughs> Uh, so I'm excited for that movie I don't like Superman that much I'm not really into DC so since he's like anti-Superman I think I'll I'll like this movie more
1: yeah you get to see uh, the dark side of Superman if he ever was able to be dark which I don't know if he's ever had any runs in the comics where he's been a bad guy other than like the Injustice ones I was
0: gonna say you played the game and like read the comic well I, I mentioned it didn't I yeah, yeah, I didn't give you a chance. I'm sorry. <laughs> but anyway, speaking of DC, the Dark Knight screenwriter, no, he just wrote the story, as everyone told me on my YouTube video about this, <laughs> David S. Goyer, he's writing an evolved reimagining of Hellraiser. So Hellraiser was sitting in purgatory over at the Weinstein House Dimension Films, and apparently Spyglass Pictures, which was recently revived just like MGM, they picked it up and they fast tracked this movie to be released soon. But the the screenwriter is David S. Goyer. He wrote Blade Two, Batman Begins, Batman vs Superman, Dawn of Justice, and The Dark Knight. So some you know some what?
1: wins, some losses on there. Not the cleanest track record we've ever seen, but
0: the script in Batman vs Superman wasn't that bad. It was like everything else, right? <laughs> you, you don't know what like Zack Snyder took out of that script, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean. I feel like Zack Schneider puts a lot of himself into the movies. Like, if he reads something and doesn't understand it, I think he really has a lot of creative control on on how that comes across.
0: I like how you put that. If he (laughs) reads something and doesn't understand it. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. But Hellraiser just really needed a reboot, like a complete start from scratch. I would have liked if they did it like Halloween, where they picked up after Hellraiser 2, Hellbound. Uh, But it's just... There's been 10 of them. Doug Bradley's played Pinhead the entire time. So there's no hype from him returning. You know, he's only not been Pinhead in two of the 10. Right. So whatever. I'm glad they're rebooting this. The one thing, again, that worries me is that it's going to be an MGM situation where they're just fast tracking it because it's they're like, oh, shit, we got Hellraiser. We got to get this movie out while horror is hot and then it's not going to be very good. But I don't know. I'm pretty excited regardless. I just I like Hellraiser. It's just a really cool dark fucked up story. I think the reason Hellraiser isn't bigger than it is is because it's actually scary. It's a, the first Hellraiser is a scary movie.
1: Yeah, I mean that the, I think the first Hellraiser is legitimately like a 10 out of 10 pretty much modern masterpiece horror movie. I mean, it's incredibly dark original. The designs of everything are so creepy. I mean the the actual character like uh of the the guy that's, like, coming back to life as he's slowly turning from a... Frank? Yeah, Frank, as he's coming back from, like, a skeleton to, like, a human being. And you see, like, his muscles grow in and, like, I mean, it's just, like, genuinely really a horrifying character that's done so incredibly well. I mean, it's like, that that last act definitely feels rushed because you can tell they spent all their budget on making everything else, like, very, very very realistic and cool. Um, So uh, I think if they could get a little more money behind it and just kind of make sure that it comes out uh you know with the kind of budget that it would need to have an effective reboot of the series i'm all for it
0: yeah i love that screen grab from hellraiser 2 with frank in muscle form leaning on the wall and he wrote with his bloody finger on the wall i am in hell help me yeah that's such a cool image um i like that i like hellraiser i really like all the Cenobites. i hope that I hope that they include all of the cenobites this time and actually follow the book more. I think if they follow the book more, it'll be different enough to where I won't be like, "Eh, it's not like the be- it's not as good as the first Hellraiser."
1: Right. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, but the original idea was to have Pinhead not be the only cenobite that we ever saw. It was going to be him and then there's going to be one with like all the other characters to see kind of all right. the dimensions of hell and how they torture him <laughs> differently in the different worlds. Um, so I think that'd be kind of a cool direction to take it. I mean, you could still have Hellraiser in it. Like, maybe he's the Sherpa for the Hell dimension and kind of takes you from place to place. You but, mean Pinhead? Uh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, It's um,
0: okay. Everyone calls him Hellraiser, but I know that was just like a Freudian slip on right. your part. No one can think less of George for that. Not allowed. <laughs> so,
1: I, I could see Pinhead being like the, the Sherpa for everybody, but then we can see the other Cenobites actually doing, you know, their own, like... Very original types of torture uh, throughout the different rings of hell. So I, I think that'd be kind of a cool way to take it, and and I'm excited to see the franchise get you know picked back up and and hopefully can get back on its feet with this reboot.
0: Yeah, I really like Butterball. He's my favorite yeah. um, Cenobite. As I like as we, we called him the for years, first... Fat Morpheus. Yeah, Fat Morpheus. <laughs> I like when uh, the main character, I forgot her name, she runs the gauntlet of all the Cenobites through the house at the end of the movie. I think that's mm-hmm. pretty cool. So I would like Hellraiser to be good again because Hellraiser Judgment was a pain in the ass to watch. It's <laughs> terrible. So bad. just garbage. But what's not garbage is Hell House... LLC, Hell House LLC 3, Lake of Fire, has just started filming, and Shudder and Terror films have joined forces to make it happen, which means, hopefully, it'll turn out better than Hell House LLC 2, The Abaddon Hotel, which George and I unabashedly stand for, but (laughs) are fully aware of the fact that it's not exactly the best movie and it has a lot of padding in it.
1: Yeah, um, I think that's a nice way to put it.
0: Yeah, but, you know, it's still perfect, so... (laughs) <laughs> Doesn't matter. Uh, the description we got is the third installment in the hit found footage horror franchise began production this week, and it'll premiere exclusively on Shutter later this year. So the cool thing about this is that Stephen Cognetti he kind of rebranded his Twitter to be the Hell House Twitter, and he's been sharing production stills, and they look awesome. Yeah, they there's, look there's way cool better than the other two. Um,
1: it, uh, it's I think this series has definitely gained a lot of followers as it's gone. Um, I think having the second one be on shutter probably was a big boon to people finding out about the franchise. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I I think if it got the kind of numbers that I'm assuming it did, since this one seems to, you know, have gotten a new producer and and shutters all in on kind of helping them out with it. Uh, I think this probably is going to have a pretty, you know, fairly sizable budget in comparison to the first two. And they'll be able to do some really, you know, some bigger and better scenes that just weren't possible before.
0: Everyone is back for this movie. They got Sarah, they got Alex, they got Paul, they got Mac, they got Robert, they got Tony. Everyone from both both movies is back. Uh, they also have Andrew Tully. He's back again. And it's set one year after the events in Hell House LLC 2, which ends ridiculously crazy. The hotel is on the verge of being torn down when it is purchased by billionaire Russell Wynn as the home for his popular game show, Insomnia. He invites journalist Vanessa and her crew to record everything happening inside the hotel leading up to the performance but they soon encounter a more nefarious plot one that threatens to unleash a veritable hell on earth that's literally what the lake of fire is lake of fire is like what nuns see right as hell
1: I thought that it was like supposed to be kind of like um the old Greek kind of thing where it's like the the river sticks like it's like the lake of death and and destruction it's like you know the big sea around like the island that is hell i'd assume
0: yeah so i don't know i'm really excited for this i'm glad they're going back to like a found footage vibe instead of sort of found footage that cuts in local news in front of a green screen i didn't like that look so much
1: yeah um i think kind of keeping to its roots and and doing the you know the whole found footage thing really worked well for the original um and i can see them kind of merging that with this game show you know whatever this insomnia game is uh i can see that kind of merging well with the found footage thing where we could see kind of sets of the game where they they think everything would go normal but then something catastrophic happens and then it cuts to somebody in the audience with a camcorder or something and and then we get like a, a real person's point of view from there
0: exactly so we have one more news story george Want to go through it quick, or do you want to just go to the movie?
1: I mean, I thought this was hilarious, so I wanted to put it on here.
0: Okay, yeah, I, we, we can't skip Zach Baggins. Can't, That's the moral dilemma him. we're having right now. So, <laughs> Zach Baggins has purchased the Devil's Rocking Chair, which is connected to the Codric 3 storyline, apparently. Can you, can you fill me out of on this one, George?
1: Yeah, so uh, reportedly, Zach Baggins had purchased the chair for uh, $67,000, And it will soon be put up for display in his haunted museum in Las Vegas. Zach Baggins, the haunted museum. And so uh, the chair was uh, the site of an exorcism of this guy, uh, David Galazel, I I believe. Uh, How
0: did you read it? (laughs) (laughs) It's David Glatzel.
1: Glatzel? Galazel? I think it's Galazel. David Glatzel was a young boy who was seemingly possessed by a demon. (laughs) And uh, Ed Lorraine exercised him. But the rocking chair is what he said possessed him in the court of law. So that was the big thing with this chair. That he used it as a form of possession in a real court case. But now Zach Baggins owns it. And it's going to be on display in Zach Baggins, the Haunted Museum.
0: (laughs) But now Zach Baggins owns it. He owns some (laughs) crazy shit. That place is fucking so cool. Yeah, I I mean,
1: that's got to be the biggest collection of... Like serial killer memorabilia like in the world.
0: He, he, he has Charles Manson Manson's like teeth and ashes just in a room. You like look through a little hole in the wall and there's a light bulb illuminating a little pile of ash with some teeth in it. Oh my god. And he's like, that's Charles Manson's. It's like what? <laughs> and uh Patrick Schwezee was into fucking weird crystals and stuff, and he has all that garbage. He has one made out of his tooth.
1: And he's got the haunted mirror.
0: The haunted mirror. The little ghosty's yep.
1: haunted mirror.
0: That yeah, and he's got the, the little baby in front of the fire that haunted Kelsey, my girlfriend.
1: And he so piled drives Annabelle live on the show.
0: Yeah, we can't talk about that. We can't incriminate <laughs> him anymore. So that's it for the news segment this week. We'll be right back with our review of the Ranger. All right, guys, we're back from our quick break here. And today we are talking about The Ranger. So this is a movie I've actually heard about a lot over the past few months. It's a slasher movie that I guess is adapted from a book, but it just launched on Shudder, So it's kind of getting a resurgence in popularity. So I felt like now was the perfect time to watch it. It's directed by Jen Wexler and it's written by Giacco Farino and Jen Wexler. I hope that was right. (laughs) And it stars Chloe Levine as Chelsea and Jeremy Holm as the Ranger. So it's basically, it's a slasher movie, but it's about a punk band led by Chelsea. And pretty much, she gets in an altercation with police and her boyfriend ends up stabbing the cop. And they go out into the woods into her old log cabin where she grew up with her uncle, played by Larry Fastenden. And things go crazy from there.
1: Yeah, so... um... That's pretty much the the gist of the setup that we get from the movie. I mean, we know she's had, you know, she says it was her uncle's cabin. They used to go there. Some traumatic event happened that we're not quite sure, but we piece it together throughout the movie. Um, We see this, uh, the ranger, as they go to the local convenience store, and he's kind of this intimidating figure that we see in the opening scene, and we know is going to be uh, the important antagonist for the movie. And I thought the ranger actually was played off really well.
0: Yeah, me too. It had a very Fallout seventy six vibe, just the woods that they filmed in and everything. And see, seeing this ranger who's a slasher villain, pervert the rules of the national park. He's like, you can't have firearms, but he has a firearm, right? And one of the kids steps into a bear trap, and he's like, oh, the springs loose on there. And he was like, if you could get out, I won't kill you. Yeah, he's like, I believe in survival of the fittest.
1: That? Like, he's very much like a naturist, where like if if the animal. You know, it's set up for an animals, and you should, you're you treated like an animal, so if you can get out, you're free to go, but if you can't, then you should be slaughtered. So th- there's some <laughs> interesting... It sets up for some cool scenes in the movie and, and makes the the slasher villain actually a pretty unique character since he's not... You know, he's a he's a very talkative character. He'll sit there and talk to you and taunt you as you're dying and kind of give you a chance to escape or, or rationalize his ideas as he's killing you.
0: Yeah, so... The the one thing that's like a double-edged sword with this movie for me is that they use their budget in smart ways. Like, a lot of the gore looks really good. There's someone who gets shot in the neck. That guy gets trapped in the bear trap. He has to pull his leg off. And that's all done well. But it's done very similarly to uh, Puppet Master and Littlest Reich, where you see things kind of happen, but then it just cuts straight to the static shot of all the gore. So it, it's like... They're working around the budget, they spent the money on the effects, but they don't have the money to blend the effects into the actual movie. Does that that make sense?
1: Yeah, I I understand what you're saying, where there's definitely either scenes where, you know, you just have to kind of infer what's going on, or like you were saying, they'll just cut to something that's like already disfigured, so they don't have to show, you know, they don't have to have CGI blood coming out of someone's neck as they get shot, or show the bear trap clamping on the guy's leg, they can just kind of infer it. Or, or you'll hear yeah. a wolf like attacking somebody, but you won't actually see them being attacked.
0: There is one wolf in the actual movie. It looks really good towards the end. Mm-hmm. And the other problem I have with this movie is that everyone except Chloe is one of the most unlikable characters yeah. ever put <laughs> to screen. They try and do this shit where they're like. They have an on-screen gay relationship, which is pretty progressive, and I commend them for that because it comes off naturally and not cringy at all. Like, it just works for what they're doing. Like, it doesn't feel
1: like a token relationship at all. It just feels like those are two characters that would exist and are normal.
0: Yeah, but you fucking hate the guys. (laughs) You hate them. Oh, that's going to be really loud. Sorry on the recording. (laughs) I just hit my mic my mic holder the <laughs> every character except for chloe of her group of friends sucks so it's fine that you see them die but because this movie was made on such a small budget they really pad out a lot of the character development so that the, the scare sequences when the actual slasher movie starts is the last 20 minutes of the movie yeah that's, so you have to you have to endure a lot to get there i think and I, I don't like that
1: i agree with that like i think it takes a really long time for it to get started. Um, I mean the first kill isn't for like it's gotta be thirty minutes, forty five minutes. It's messy the movie. too.
0: Like the girl gets shot in the neck. Yeah. And they're like, Oh, let's pump her full of what? Like heroin or something? And yeah, she's pulsing and like <laughs> foaming at the mouth. And the, the the ranger comes up, he's just like, Oh shit, she we gotta put her out of her misery and he yeah. blows <laughs> her head off with a twenty two, you know? <laughs> it's like you shot her.
1: Yeah. I mean it's it, it definitely is it gets a lot better once we see kind of the the ranger actually start to get going and start to see his like plan unfolding and how he's listening in on conversations and he's kind of waiting and uh to kind of pounce on these unsuspecting characters. So it's good when it gets going but I think it takes a long time to get there and the only character that we ever care about in the whole movie is the main girl Chloe or Chelsea. Uh, everybody else is just kind of
0: uh, her name is Chloe in real life. <laughs> Why that if you're gonna I don't know. You should just call her Chloe in the movie <laughs> at that point. But
1: uh and I think that the the younger version of uh Chelsea from the beginning of the movie is the girl yeah. the little girl from uh pet cemetery.
0: You're right. It's uh, her name is Millicent Simmons, I think.
1: Something like that. Um but she's really the only likable character, the only person we ever root for. I mean, Like, within the first 20 minutes of the movie, I didn't care about any other character. I didn't care if they made it to the end. The only one that I even wanted to survive was was Chelsea and everybody else. I was just kind of like, whatever, they could live or die because they're a bunch of assholes.
0: Yeah, I really liked this movie. I'd give it like a three and a half out of five. It was just fun. Once the actual slasher movie started, that aspect of it was directed really well. It had a lot of cool kills and... You don't like the characters who are dying, so it's fun to watch right, them die.
1: They're decent, like, kill fodder for the main main character. And they do some interesting things with the, the slasher villain being, like, a very talkative. He's not, you know, a silent lumbering character that'll just hunt you down in the woods. Like, he has real, uh, like, a real mythology to him or, like, a psychology to how he's killing people. So that's, like, an interesting guy to follow around and kind of see you know what's he gonna do next or or how is he gonna rationalize this next kill and, and so i thought that was done pretty well
0: yeah would you call him the world's most dangerous furry
1: yeah he's a furry <laughs> with a gun <laughs> yeah
0: that's exactly what he is so yeah i gave it a three and a half out of five what did you give it
1: yeah i'd give it a three out of five
0: okay that's fair so if you guys want to watch this movie now it's available on shutter uh i'm sure it's available everywhere else but If you rent it somewhere, it's going to cost you six bucks, and a shutter account costs five a month. So, you know, decide accordingly there. Do you have anything else to say at the end of the episode, George?
1: Uh, That was all I had.
0: Bye.